Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy, and it's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Satish. Dr. Satish is with the Allegheny Singer Research Institute in their Center for Genomics. Dr. Satish, it's a pleasure to have you here today and to share with us your interest and studies as it relates to scarless wound healing. Thank you very much for inviting me over here. Uh, it's a great, great pleasure to share uh, some of my thoughts and uh, how I got here and how uh, my interest towards wound healing has been um, uh, intensified uh, during these, uh, over these years. Um, uh, when I was doing my master's degree, that was the first time I was exposed to wound healing research. Like I went and approached a person who was in the wound healing research that I want to do a small project. And then she um, gave me a project on which I was uh, asked to test a collagen film on, uh, um, uh, on its applications in healing the wounds. And so uh, that's how I, I started my career on, in wound healing. This is... Um, I would say it did happen like 11, 12 years ago. And um, that project was really successful that we see, we did see some, uh, after applying the collagen film, we saw some robust increase in, um, the, clo in uh, the time, uh, the faster healing time in the closure of the wounds. And after that, uh, um, things changed and I, um, I wasn't uh, very keen on going into um, into graduate studies, but then things happened. Like with this project, I was able to get a scholarship, and that made me to go into my graduate studies, and that lead to a PhD in biotechnology. So even in my PhD, I was um, uh, collaborating with an industry, and um, their main goal was to test uh, enzyme preparation on burn patients. So this gave me a chance to... Um, uh, interact with the plastic surgeons and uh, I was able to um, go and see the patients, talk to them and I, I was able to see the, the ordeal that they are going through when uh, um, after this um, uh, burns and so I was able to go and collect the samples and then test this enzyme preparation which has been which is in the market now in uh, developing countries like India and Africa um, it's a it's it's referred to as this chimerol fort DS, and it's a trypsin chimotrypsin enzyme preparation. And uh, through, through my PhD dissertation, I was able to show that this enzyme preparation can minimize the facial edema and inflammation, and it was able to reduce even the uh, lipid peroxidation products, which could which will um, able to heal the wounds in a faster fashion and also minimize the scar. And this was mainly useful in the in the patients who had been inflicted with the chemical burns, and um, they that resulted in a massive facial edema. And um, with that, um, I've completed my PhD, and then I, I got another chance to come over to US uh, for to attend a conference, a big conference on wound healing, which is a Gordon conference. And and I was fortunate enough to meet with Dr. Alan Wells. Um, he was very impressed with my PhD studies, and he, he offered me a postdoctoral position in his laboratory right away. So that made uh, paved a way for me to come over to U.S., and I was a postdoctoral researcher in Dr. Wells's lab for five years. Again, I was fortunate enough to continue my studies in wound healing, 
and in his lab i was uh, studying on a chemokine uh, referred to as as interferon gamma inducible protein 9 and its influence on dermal epidermal communication during wound repair and uh, the this research study uh, led to a very good uh, uh, publication records and um, we also uh, i was able to complete the the in vitro studies on how this ip9 is involved in um, Uh, epidermal maturation and dermal repair and then uh, from there i that uh, paved my way in order to move up in my career and i was offered a position in center for genomic sciences in west bengal allegheny health system and um, it, it just happened like i was able to meet with um, dr sandeep kadju who's a plastic surgeon and his main interest was to study on uh, scarless wound healing so this the scarless wound healing is a great phenomenon which is observed only in the fetus and that too in the early gestational period of fetus so when i was um, discussing with him about the uh, projects and stuff and i was very interested towards um, the scarless wound healing phenomenon and i said like yes i'm going to work on this and that's how i got into center for genomic sciences and i've been there for past 3 years and um, it has been uh, phenomenal working over there because we study like i'm basically a cell and uh, cell biologist but now i've been exposed to variety of molecular techniques and the main um, goal that we are trying to achieve in um, in our lab is to see what are the genes that are responsible for scarless wound healing so if we could um, find out or discover certain novel genes and also the genes that are responsible for scarless healing and then can we manipulate these genes in an adult wound healing scenario to minimize the scar formation minimize the scar formation this is a uh, very interesting introduction and overview and i might remind our listeners that dr wells appeared on a previous podcast if you'd like to refer back to his observations and focus relative to these particular needs. Uh let's step ba- let's step back for a moment relative to scarless wound healing. It seems to me there are two possible uh scenarios for for one would have an interest in scarless wound healing. Specifically aesthetics and then secondly where the scarring causes other undesirable outcomes. If my presumption is correct, can you give me an example? where scarring causes undesirable effects other than from an aesthetic perspective. Uh yes of course um Dr. Murphy was perfectly right about it. Um it's been a the scarring by itself can be very useful in uh, healing the wound and closing the injured area but its long time effect is very devastating. it it has both psychosocial impact and then uh, it it results in low it results in low esteem in the patients and there has to be uh, we have to as a wound healing researcher uh, i think it's it's our um, our major aim is to um develop a means so that we can at least reduce the scar formation if um though it's be it is uh, we have a uh, um many years from now to achieve like in order to totally eradicate the scars the most important devastating scars that we see in human 
uh, mankind is um, the presence of keloids and hypertrophic scars. So these, uh, the hypertrophic scars mainly results from a burn injury or from a uh, massive uh, second degree burns or third degree burns or um, and then um, keloid is something like which is um, it's still the etiology is not very well known. We don't know how this happens, but though there are various signaling pathways have been proposed, and um, even when these keloid uh, scars have been um, surgically removed, the, the recurrence of these scars are highly prevalent. And um, so mostly it has been like it had these scars they 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 have to undergo surgical intervention, though there are very limited um, uh, tr treatments available to eradicate these scars. And uh, the long-time research on um, scarless wound healing have uh, did have come up with certain modalities to treat these scars. The one such molecule is uh, TGF-beta isoforms. So uh, there are three uh, different isoforms for TGF-beta, one, two, and three. Though they have found like uh, promising results with TGF-beta-1, which is known to uh, increase the scar formation, uh, in animal studies they have found that uh, antibodies against TGF-beta-1 can minimize the scar or totally uh, move the wound healing towards a scarless healing pattern. But it has not been that successful in uh, humans. But um, recently, I went for this wound healing uh, conference uh, in San Diego, and um, Dr. Mark Ferguson, who's the pioneer in TGF-beta uh, TGF work, and he told uh, something which, which seems to be very promising. They have found that a TGF-beta-3, which is known to inhibit fibrosis or scar-forming uh, wounds, um, that uh, when they apply this TGF-beta-3 to the incisional wounds or open wounds, they were seeing that um, the scar formation is greatly reduced. And so he thinks that um, this can be, and they have done some human clinical trials too, and they think that this is a promising molecule in the near future. And uh, they have also referred to this molecule as um, a drug name as Juvista, and they think they are in the phase two clinical trial, and um, within another two or three years they, it might be in the market. So there are some promising research going on around the world uh, to um, uh, we are getting lessons from the scarless wound healing to uh, minimize the scar in an uh, adult wound healing scenario. Healing scenario. I think it might be worth uh, reaffirming what you just introduced a few moments ago and that is that uh, it's known and recognized that a fetus, particularly in the first trimester, exhibits scarless wound healing. And while we know that children and adults uh, do not exhibit scarless wound healing, uh, I might ask, why do you believe that the uh, fetus exhibits these characteristics? So um, there are several um uh, thoughts regarding this. So first, initially, people thought like this since because the fetus is uh, living in a unique environment uh, to say that it has been uh, filled with amniotic fluid and protein, serum proteins, and uh, um, various other environmental factors that influence the fetus to heal the wounds without the scar. But again, uh, various other studies by um, uh, Longacre and Lawrence from California 
and uh, broke this notion saying that the fetal environment has nothing to do with the uh, healing pattern that's seen within the fetus. It is, it is the intrinsic property of the fetal tissues by itself that leads to the scarless healing that is seen in the fetus. So uh, it's saying that because they have done some experiments to show that when fetal tissues, when they are being uh, transplanted to an adult environment, still heals without um, uh, without a scar whereas when an adult tissue is skin tissue is being transplanted to a fetal skin it heals with the scar so it looks like the initial um, uh, gestational period for example we work with the uh, uh, with the rabbit as our animal model so the whole gestation period of rabbit is 31 days and so the um, between 21 to 23 days is the transitional period where the scarless healing start become becomes into a scar forming wounds so when the wounds are made on 21 days on these fetal rabbits and then you uh, do a histology on these skin wounds you can see that uh, you cannot see uh, uh, the presence of scar through histology or through um, uh, protein analysis. But the same fetus, when the wounds are made on 23rd day or 24th day, and then you look into these wounds, you could see that they have healed with the scar. So it looks like there is a, a switch taking place between these this period, between the 21 and 23rd day. And uh, so our main hypothesis is um, we think that there is a gene switch which lead where there are whereas uh, whereas some genes are downregulated, some are upregulated, and there is some differential pattern of genes uh, existing, and that results in the scar forming wounds within the uh, the transitional period, and that's the main hypothesis that we are working on, and we have uh, come up with a um, few genes that we see uh, which is differentially expressed between the fetal wounds and uh, between the adult wounds. And um, so that, those are the genes that we are focusing now to see what is the biological significance of these genes and what do we, what we, what can we do? Can we, uh, if this gene, if a particular gene is downregulated in fetal scarless healing wounds, can we downregulate the same gene in an adult wound healing? and see the same functional significance that we saw in fetal wounds. And I'm thinking that um, this can be, uh, this approach is really promising, and uh, we do see uh, several functional changes when these genes are manipulated, and we, could, we, were, we are able to recapitulate certain functions that is seen in a fetal scar scarless wound in an adult um, uh, scarring wounds and uh, this and, and I'm thinking down the road definitely this more the molecules that we identify can has a tremendous therapeutic potential so if I understand correctly if you can identify the genes that affect scarless wound healing and then are able to regulate or control these genes the outcome could be a scarless uh, wound healing scenario and in that context, uh, are there any other activities in your lab that you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, sure. Um, so the one um, line of project is we are we are we are studying the genes that are responsible for scarless wound healing. 
So another uh, model that we are looking at is a condition called Dupuytren's contracture. And that is uh, a fibroproliferative disease of the palm. And it is also referred to as, as palmar fascia fibrosis. And this is also another debilitating condition in humans as the patients present themselves as a pit or as a nodule in the palm. And initially, uh, the finger starts to bend towards the palm, and then finally the hand becomes uh, functionless. And so the patients are waiting uh, for surgical intervention. And as I told you, for keloids and hypertrophic scar, the same thing happens in the palmar fascia fibrosis too, that um, the recurrence is very high. And so we also wanted to see what is happening in this disease. Um, this is also another contractile disease. So can we manipulate the genes that we saw in fetal scarless wound healing to this model too? And then can we minimize this um, uh, fibrotic condition and that's uh, another hands um, that we are looking at too. So in terms of scarless wound healing, is your focus on prevention or on repair? I would say um, uh, more on, more towards the repair because as you see uh, the um, Fetal uh, skin, when there is a wound is inflicted on a fetal skin, it repairs the, I, I shouldn't say even repair, it regenerates the skin, as you see in the lower forms, like in an amphibians or a newts, where you cannot even um, uh, spot the skin where it was injured. And so that is where we are focusing. And so um, it, we are identifying the genes, as I told you before. And... Um, Whereas the adult, when it's inflicted with a with an with an injury, it heals the skin with a repair by form of repair that results in scar formation. So after the scar is formed, and uh, that is the form that is the one mode of. Uh, uh, research that we are thinking like, okay, how can we modulate these genes? Another, as, as Dr. Murphy said, like we are also looking at prevention. Can we, when there is a wound, can we manipulate the genes in the uh, wound environment and we can reduce or prevent the scar formation? You indicated earlier that the, some of the emerging technologies might be available in two to three years. Uh, in your institute, you have clinical colleagues and certainly our listeners are interested in what may be available now. Are there any clinical studies that uh, might be available either related to fibrosis or scarless wound healing? Um, I think there's still uh, research is ongoing. I don't think um, we have uh, or uh, any other group uh, have come up with the formulation of drugs or certain molecules that I've identified which is in the clinical trial. The only growth factor that is available for patients is uh, called as Regranex, which is the platelet-derived growth factor that is being applied to the um, the patients uh, who had who have diabetic venous ulcers or chronic ulcers and uh, chronic wounds. Um, apart from that, I think uh, we are still um, unraveling what is going on in the um, scarless wound healing and how we can treat the patients in order to prevent the scar. And as I told you before, TGF-beta-3 is another promising molecule. And um, I think um, within two or three years, maybe that might be in the market in order to prevent the scars. 
Dr. Satish, this has been most interesting and also very promising in terms of the directions that your studies are headed. I hope that perhaps you can join us in the future and give us an update on these emerging technologies. As we conclude this podcast, I'd like to remind our listeners that we cannot diagnose medical problems via the Internet, but we do welcome your suggestions in terms of future podcasts and topics to be addressed. You can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicineday.com. As we conclude this podcast, I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine for sponsoring this podcast series, and I look forward to joining you in two weeks with another interesting interview. Thank you and best wishes.